0: Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. Good to see you this morning. Turn in your Bibles to John three. We're gonna be in John three this morning. We are ending our series on bless, And and really what with the last few months that we have been going on this journey of, of us sharing our new vision that, that we exist so that every man, woman and child in Lake Norman and beyond has the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. And if we're going to make sure that that vision happens, we've gotta make sure that, that we ask people Followers of Jesus, we're partnering with God, we're, we're, we're um, you know, joining Jesus on his mission, and bless is the way by which we have joined and said, this is our strategy. Here's what we want to do. If we're going to partner with Jesus and represent him to, to the people across Lake Norman, uh, it's going to require us to get outside of ourselves and to exist for his name and his glory. And so, bless is simply an acronym. Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. Uh, or exercise, serve someone, and then share the gospel. And that last S is the one that probably is the one that is is has the most fear and trepidation to it. If we're going to be honest with, with, with ourselves, um, one of my favorite shows to watch is the show alone. Has, haven't you ever seen the show alone? It's on the History Channel. And what they do, if you've never seen it, the whole premise is they take all these contestants, they drop them off in the middle of the, the Arctic tundra where bears and all kinds of wild creatures are around, and they can choose 10 items to survive. And they're, they're not with anybody else. They, they spread them all out. And the whole goal is for you to be the last person that survives the longest amongst that group of people. And I love the show because there's strategy involved. But I think one of the reasons why this show, I resonate with it so much is because when I watch that show, the first thing I think about is, I could never do that. I mean, I'm a product of suburban America. And so when I see guys just, you know, surviving out in the wilderness for weeks on end with just the bare necessities of life. I am blown away. I am impressed. And if you were to drop me off in the middle of the wilderness, I would, like, I'd be tapping out in a few hours. Like, I, that, that's just me. But when I think when it comes to sharing our faith, a lot of times we look at sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel, like we look at those contestants alone, like, how do they do it? Like, how in the world do you sit with someone and tell someone about Jesus? And so I think a lot of times the feelings we have with fear, the feelings of I don't know what to say, or what if they ask me a question uh, that I don't know the answer to, or or what if what if they you know they say something that offends me, and and so uh, the number one reason why most people do not share their faith is because they're afraid they don't know what to say, and we're going to look at the, some passages of scripture this morning that I hope will reduce the understanding of fear. Because Jesus gives us a model to follow. That's one of the things we've been doing every single one of these, of these weeks in BLESS. We've been looking how Jesus is the one who modeled this for us. We saw how Jesus began with prayer and how Jesus listened to people first and how Jesus shared meals with people that were far from God but close to him and how Jesus served others. And now we're going to look at how Jesus shares the good news. How did Jesus share the gospel? We're going to look at three stories this morning in the gospel of John of how Jesus shared the the gospel with three different people, and we're going to learn something from him this morning. Because Jesus, I believe, modeled for us a way in which we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be overwhelmed. This sermon this morning is going to be highly practical. You know, Some sermons are very deep theologically, uh, some sermons are more philosophical. This is a sermon that I want you to walk away with and say, I think I know how to move forward. I think if I'm going to share the gospel, this is how I'm going to do it because this is how Jesus did it. And Jesus left a very simple way, method for us to follow. And so what we're going to look at, we're going to look at these three passages of scripture. And what you're going to see is how Jesus shared himself differently with each of them. But here's what I want you to to walk away with. The main idea with this morning is this: that sharing the gospel is more like a journey than a presentation. Sharing the gospel is more like a journey than a presentation. I remember growing up, and I was when I was a young person, I went to this thing uh, every summer as a high schooler called Teen Leadership Conference, and and it was a it was a conference for obviously teenagers. About 800 of them from around the country. Would go to this college campus, and they would teach you, you know, all kinds of things of how to grow in your faith. And one of the things was how to share your faith. And so I remember signing up for that, but just the fear that I had knowing you know, they would train you for a few hours one afternoon and then send you into the streets of Scranton with a survey to see how far you could get with the gospel. And I just remember the, the emotions of, I pray I'm walk, I walk around all day and no one's on the street. You know, just because I just had this fear of what do I say? And even though they train you, you know, you get through the list of questions, then you, you, you try to remember the presentation. And I remember going through that feeling a lot of times like I, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. And, and even if I do get there, it feels like I'm just kind of going through an, an Amway presentation as opposed to really sharing something that was deep and meaningful to me. And I think a lot of times we treat the gospel like that. Like, I've got to get through this presentation as opposed to really joining people on the journey that they have in their faith. And so, I want you to learn this morning how Jesus joined others on their journey of faith. And, and it's helpful for us these four simple ways of how we can join others and not judge others on their journey. Of faith. So I want I want us to look at this, these passages. First one's gonna be in John chapter 3. I'm gonna read the first eight verses of John three. I want you to notice how does Jesus present the gospel to this man named Nicodemus? Okay, let's look at verse one. Now there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Nicodemus, when Jesus was presenting the gospel to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born Again, talking about spiritual rebirth. Now, let's go over one chapter I want you to see in John 4. We're going to pick this up in verse 7. I want to read verses 7 through 15. Look how Jesus presents the gospel to this woman at the well. It says in verse 7, "'A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink,' for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria?' And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So for Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. For the woman at the well, you've got to drink this living water so you'll never thirst again. So that's two different people, two different presentations. Now, I want you to see the third one. Skip over to John chapter 6 with me, John chapter 6, and I'm gonna pick this up in verse 41, okay? But I I wanna share share with you Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He has gone through this amazing miracle where thousands of people were fed from five loaves and two fishes, and now, what we what John shows us is the rest of the story the next day because these people saw a miracle and now they are blown away by it and a group of them follow Jesus on the other side of the lake and they're like hey uh, we want we love that trick that you did with multiplying the food we want to say we want to have another meal and Jesus confronts them and says listen if you eat the bread this, this if I could provide a meal for you again you're going to be hungry again but if you eat the living bread That I can give you, then you'll never be hungry again. And so they're having this dialogue because they really want another meal. And Jesus is trying to say, I'm more important than a meal. So look what it says in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him, saying, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. You will have no life in you. All right, another group. What does he say this to this group? You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, notice every single group of people he talks to, Nicodemus, the Pharisee, the Samaritan woman at the well, and then this crowd that follows him the next day, he tells them a different thing of what it means to have eternal life. Now, here's the question: why? See, if you and I, we're trained in how to share the gospel, we just kind of have our same old thing that we do. Jesus did something differently. And the first thing he did, and this is the first step, if we're gonna, if we're going to make, if we're gonna join people on their journey of faith, the first step is this meet people where they are. Begin with where people are at. That's what Jesus did. He met people with where they were at. Notice what it says about. The, the, about Nicodemus. He says, he met him in the evening. Why would Jesus meet, meet Nicodemus at night? What everything had everything to do with Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee. He was a says he was the ruler of the Jews. That meant he had a reputation. He had to make sure that, that he presented himself as someone who had it all together. And if he's seen meeting with, with this rogue rabbi about what he's saying, and if he's actually showing interest in him, he would His entire reputation was at stake. He was scared of what people would see and think of him if he was to meet with Jesus. So when did he meet with Jesus? At night. So what did Jesus do? He was willing to go meet Nicodemus at night. Think about the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. The Jews have no, have no dealings with Samaritans. This is a woman we find later on in the conversation. We're not, we didn't read it, but she has had five husbands and is living with a sixth man. She is not the type of person that most people would think, oh, she might be a great disciple of Jesus. But Jesus knows she's, she shows up in, at noontime to get water much later than the rest of the women of the town because she is a social outcast. And so she shows up at the well, Jesus meets her there. Then you have this crowd now this is the one that you and I would think is the, has the most uh, you know the greatest opportunity for Jesus to actually do something. He's done a miracle and now they're following him. But Jesus knows their heart. He says, "Listen, what you guys want is you just want another meal. I don't you don't want me. You want me to give you something." But Jesus met every single group where they were at and he told them something exactly what they needed to hear in order to confront something in their side of their life that was like, this needs to change. You see, I think a lot of times as followers of Jesus, we many times have this mentality that if you want to know about God, you got to come to me. And that's not the way it is with Jesus. Jesus was always willing to step out of his, he was willing to reorder his life he was willing to go into Samaria where Jews were, didn't typically go. He was willing to meet someone in the evening outside of regular work hours. He was willing to, to stop and meet these people where they were at, even though what they wanted was something wrong. He was willing to make time and meet people no matter where they were and say, you know what, you are important to me. That's what Jesus was doing. He was, when you meet people where they're at, what you're finding out is you're showing to them, you're important to me. And that's what Jesus did. He was always making space in his life for other people. What have we been saying throughout this entire process? Beginning with prayer, listening, eating, serving them. What The whole point of this is, are you creating margin in your life so that you are aware of having interactions with people? And one of the things that, as, as, as I've, we've been adopting this blessed strategy, for over a year now. This has changed my life personally. One of the things I I tend to do is I, now in my neighborhood, I'm always looking for ways to stop and talk to people that I am praying for in my neighborhood. And and, and if if I didn't do that, if I didn't have that intentionality, then I would just keep going on with my life in my merry own way. But because the BLESS strategy is now in my mind and it's in my heart, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be aware of the opportunities. When I see my neighbor out, I go outside to make sure I'm just making a connection there. We haven't even moved beyond the E, but you know what? It's something I'm going to meet people where they're at. And that's what we've got to do. That's what Jesus did. He did this perfectly where he's saying, Nicodemus, you're scared to meet with me. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm sure when the back channels of communication that Jesus heard, hey, there's a Pharisee that wants to meet with you, Jesus wasn't like, well, tell them to meet me in the town square at noon. Why? He wasn't trying to prove anything. He didn't try to use guilt and shame to get people to to do something. No, he was willing to meet people. I'll meet you at night. I understand, Nicodemus, you're scared. I understand you're trying to protect yourself. And I'm willing to meet with you there. That that was the love of Jesus on display. And we've got to be willing to meet people where they are. Second thing is this, we've got to confront the false savior. Notice that Jesus in every single, the, every single thing that he says to, to Nicodemus, you must be born again. To the woman at the well, you've got to drink this living water. To the crowd, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What was he saying in each and every one of those statements? What he was doing is he was meeting people where they were, but he was also confronting something in their life that they were saying, This is what I'm holding on to. This is the most important thing to my life. See, every single one of us has something that we believe is ultimate. Every single one of us says, This is what I'm putting my hopes, my dreams, my life is in this thing. For Nicodemus, you know what it was? It was his status. He had worked his way up the religious ladder. He had become a ruler of the people of the Jews. He was a Pharisee. He had political power. He had religious power. He had prestige. He had honor. He had all these things. And what was Jesus telling him? Guess what, Nicodemus? You got to start all over again. When he says you got to be born again, what he was saying is all the things that you have done up until this point, every single one of the things that you've, you've, you have done to attain a level of success and, and position it means nothing in the kingdom of God. You've got to be born of the spirit. It's, it's, it's got to be more than just what you can accomplish. And he was asking Nicodemus to start all over again with Jesus, not with man-made religion, but with God himself. And that, was, that confronted Nicodemus's, his, his idol of, you mean I might have to give up my status as a Pharisee to follow you? Yes. See, see, Every single one of these people had something that they were going to for life. Think about the woman at the well. Well, What does she want? Well, just look at her life. Five husbands living with a sixth man. What was she longing for? I I, I don't know her story, but somewhere down the line, what she was believing is this person, this person's love, this person's acceptance of me. if, If they love me, then I will truly be happy. And she kept going from man to man to man because she felt like if they love me completely, then I will be valued. And what she found out, she, no matter how many men she, she tried and no matter how many men she developed a relationship with, it kept leaving her empty. And so that's why Jesus went to her and said, this is why what, you keep being thirsty and I can give you something that will truly satisfy your soul more than any of these men can, more than any of these relationships, I know you're looking for love. But the love you're looking for will always leave you continually thirsty. I can give you the kind of love that will always satisfy you. Think about the crowd. What was the crowd wanting? They wanted a free meal, not just one free meal. They were thinking, hey, uh, Jesus, we love this free meal thing. And if you keep feeding us like this, um, we, th- this means that we'll never have to work as much, as hard as we need to. It's almost like, it would be like, imagine someone paying your grocery bill for the rest of your life. Was that appealing? That would be appealing to, to, to me. And, and what, what Jesus was saying is you don't want me. You want, you want your need, you want your physical needs met. And I want to do something more than that. You're looking for something to satisfy your, your stomachs. And I want to satisfy your soul. See, every single one of these groups of people had something that they were trusting in. And what, we've got, what we have the opportunity to do when we're joining people on their journey of faith is pointing out and saying, what are you trusting in? What is it that you are longing for? Because every single one of us is trusting in something to get us through life. You know, one of the, one of, one of the men that I walked with for years at my other church, he was an engineer, and uh, I remember the first time just sharing the gospel with him, and, and you know, I thought it was going to be one of these things where I shared Jesus with him, and he's like, hey, I've never heard that before, and he he sat there, heard it, and he was like, okay, I've got a lot of questions, and so we started answering the questions, and and then we started reading the Bible, and he's like, I want to read through the entire Bible before I make my decision, and I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I, I admire that, but he was what he kept doing is he kept going back to i've got this question i've got this question i got this question and what it came down to is what was his functional savior it was his intellect and he had all these questions that he he felt like god had 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 to keep answering more questions for him and until he was confronted with that idol with that savior saying listen you can never, you'll never get to the point where in your mind you'll know enough. There are certain things that require you to place your faith in that God reveals on the other side of faith. But he had to abandon what he was trusting in for himself. See, every single person we come in contact with, they're trusting in something. It might be money, it might be status, it might be pleasure, but they're trusting in something saying, this is what brings meaning to life. This is, what, this is what brings ultimate satisfaction in life. This is what I'm trusting in. And what we get a chance to do is walk with them long enough to point them out this, the, how is this letting you down? Because I'll tell you this every single one of these people, well, why, do think, why do you think Nicodemus went to, went to Jesus? He, he says, we've just read it. He said, we know you're from God because no one can do these signs unless they had the power of God with them. Why would Nicodemus say that? Because Nicodemus knows, yeah, I've got the status and I've got the privilege and I've got the power and I've got, I've got earthly authority, but you have something that I do not have, and that's the power of God. And I, I, I need to know more about you because you obviously have this supernatural power from God that I do not have in life. It doesn't matter what they're going after, no matter what functional savior they're going after, it will always leave people empty. And we have the opportunity to step into enjoyment join with people and point out and say, how is this, how is this going in your life? How has this functional Savior brought you to this point? That's number two. Number three, we've got to present Jesus the only way. So not only do we join people, when we meet people where they're at, we've got to confront their false Savior, but then we present Jesus as the only way. Jesus did this over and over and over again. What did he tell Nicodemus? You've got to believe in me, the Son of Man, that I've got to be lifted up. That, that it, whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What did he tell the woman at the well? If you knew who I was, and you would ask me to give you this, this water, and you would never thirst again. I, and he tells her flatly at the end of his conversation with her, I am the Messiah. I, I am it. He tells the crowd after they're looking for food, he says, you're looking for food and you'll die if you keep eating that food. But if you come to me and understand where I'm coming from and you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, then you will never be hungry again. Every single one of these groups, he says, it's about me. You've got to look at me. Man, that is so important because you know what we try to do today? Have you ever tried to talk to someone about faith or you talk talking about church And what ends up happening is, I see this over and over again, I know I've made this mistake before as well, that you start having these conversations with people, and then all of a sudden it just devolves into talk about politics. Or you talk about church. Or you talk about some other thing around Christianity. Listen, when it comes to people's journey of faith, you keep bringing them back to Jesus. Because we sang about it this morning, there is power in the name of Jesus. People have a lot of baggage with church. There are a lot of issues with Christians. And you've got to take all of that stuff and mess that people see and say, let's cut through it all, and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. I remember reading a book one time about a guy who was writing about evangelism and working with people in the postmodern context. And he works on college campuses, and one of the things that he does is he meets young people from all, you know, from all walks of life. And this young lady that he had, was having conversations with, she knew he was a Christian and she, she was living in an alternative lifestyle. And she just was like, she, she was like, I hate you people. I hate you Christians. I hate the church and I hate what you believe and what you believe about me. And, and he just started trying to, what did he do? He started praying for her. And he listened to her story. And he started meeting with her and sharing cups of coffee with her. He getting to know her and serving her. And eventually got to the point where he just said, Would you be willing to read the story of Jesus with me? And over the course of the year, she kept, she she would have questions and and but she said, There's something about Jesus that is that is so attractive. There's another book um, I just I read a couple years ago called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert by Rosaria Butterfield. She was a woman who taught women's studies in Syracuse University years ago. And, uh, you know, she, again, she was, she was living a, a same-sex, um, in a same-sex relationship. It had nothing to do with God, wanted nothing to do with God, but it was the love of someone else to just having meals with her and just talking to her about not politics, not religion, not sexuality, but Jesus. Now eventually they got to some of those other things but it was you he, they led with Jesus. And when we are talking with people, we've got to start leading with Jesus. Cuz Jesus is amazing. And if you if Jesus has changed your life and you understand what Jesus has done for you, And you understand how much Jesus loves you. And you understand what Jesus did for you, how he died for you on the cross. He died for your sins. And how he looks at the fullness of who you are and what you have done in the fullness of your sin and says, I still want you. When we come into contact with that Jesus, his love, his power, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, I'll tell you what, that's transforming. That's transforming. Let's keep pointing people to Jesus. Don't get caught in the weeds of religion. Don't get caught in the weeds of politics with people. Bring them back to the person where they have to make a decision on. Because there are some people who have no problem rejecting Christianity or rejecting church. What you want to do is bring them to a decision point where you're saying, are you going to reject Jesus? And they still might. But point to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus. And that leads us to the fourth point, and that is this. Invite them to respond. Jesus met people where they were. He confronted their false savior, pointing out to them that there was issues in in all of them that they had to, to turn to him. He presented himself as the solution of what they were looking for. And then lastly, he invited them to respond. Every single one of them, he invited them to believe. He invited him to say, "What will you do with me? What are you going to do with me? Are you going to believe in me? You know, for, for Nicodemus, it was, you have a choice, Nicodemus. And and you you either going to and you're going to really follow me and start all over again, or you're going to continue on your path. To the woman at the well, you you're, you've got, I am the Messiah. What will you do with that? To the crowd." I am come from heaven and I, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood you will have eternal life. Every single one of these people came to a decision point. And you know what's interesting about every single one of these groups? They all responded differently. Think about Nicodemus. Nicodemus hears, you know, meets with Jesus and Jesus meets him where he's at and tells him, "You got to start all over, Nicodemus." Does Nicodemus leave the you know what he's doing and, and become a follower of jesus right then no in fact what we find out is later on he is a secret follower of jesus and it takes him time before he is bold enough to present himself and to to declare to others okay i'm willing to go public with my faith in jesus but it took him time he had to work through a lot of issues in his own personal life we look at the woman at the well what happened with her Now, the woman that none of us, I mean, when we think about, who am I going to invite to the Christmas concert tonight? We wouldn't think about this woman. Yet she was the one, when confronted, when Jesus said, this is I who am the Messiah, I am it. What happens? Boom, immediately. She's like, "This, this guy is it. She gives her life immediately over to Jesus. It becomes an incredible evangelist in her hometown overnight. She responds immediately to Jesus. And then the crowd what did the crowd do? The crowd that was, man, they looked really good up front. They, they wanted to meet Jesus the next day and that we want another meal, Jesus. He's like, you don't really want me. You just want another meal. And after he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood again, Jesus is talking, spirit, he's spiritually speaking here. Obviously, he's not talking about eating his actual flesh. Why was he doing this? Because what he was really testing him is, do you really want me? But all of them leave. In fact, Jesus' teaching is so hard that it says even later on in that chapter, some of his own disciples left, and he turns to the 12, is like, are you guys gonna go too? And they're like, We've got nowhere else to go. You're it, Jesus. But notice how they all responded differently. Nicodemus was, I'm not ready yet. I need more time. The woman at the well was I'm all in. The crowd was, you're weird. I'm going to go and do my own thing. This is so important because when we get to the point where we're inviting people to respond, here's one of the things you have to remember. You are not in control of how people respond. That's between them and the Holy Spirit. We we have the privilege to present Jesus to people, and how people respond is completely between them and God. But I think many times we feel this pressure like, man, if I, if I present Jesus and they don't make a decision, I failed. No, you have not failed at all. What God is asking for us to do is to partner with him, to join with him. And as we present the gospel to people, whether we need to tell people, you got to be born again. And there's some people we got to tell you, Jesus is the living water. And some people we say, he is the, he is the bread of life, whatever it is that where they're at spiritually. But how they respond, I don't carry that. Some of you carry this, this burden of, it's up to me to make sure this person believes. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I think a lot of times people can sense that, that maybe that, that pressure from us many times to make a decision. Listen, Jesus is not interested in people making decisions. He's interested in people becoming disciples. And if truly, as Jesus said, as the, Spirit is, as the Spirit moves and blows, that's, that's how someone is born again, born of the Spirit. It's not up to us, it's up to God. And we need to release the decisions that people make to say, God, that's between them and you. But I'm not going to carry that. See, some of you have people in your life that you love dearly, and you want them to make a decision to follow Jesus. And and I can promise you this, many times they probably feel pressure from you to make a decision. And one of the best things you can do is not stop talking about Jesus, but start giving them space to allow them the freedom to make that decision on their own before God. That's that's what Jesus did. I mean, when, when he confronted the crowd and they're walking away, he's like, Hey, wait, wait, wait. I didn't mean all of you. Was Jesus ever freaked, about, freaked out about how many people were following him? Nope. Because he knew he could do more with 12 disciples than 12,000 spiritual consumers. I can do more with 12 people who are really dedicated to me, who love me and are willing to die for me, than 12,000 people who are just looking for another meal. And, and we need to have that same confidence that Jesus had. Say, Jesus, you will. you're the one who's working in people's lives. I don't have to carry that. So I'm going to share, share with you four words. I just went through these four points, being with where people are, confront their false savior, point people to Jesus, and then invite them to respond. These, what I just shared with you is actually how to share the gospel. And when I share the gospel, there's lots of different ways. I've been through faith evangelism training. I've been through evangelism explosion. I've done the three circles. I've, I've done almost every single evangelical gospel presentation training you can possibly go through. When I typically share with the faith, my faith with other people, when I share the gospel with people, I share with them through four words, and these are the four words that will be on the screen. God, man, Jesus response. These are my four points this, this morning. Where are people at with God? Everyone believes something about God. I'm going to begin with where people are with their, their understanding of God. God created the whole world perfectly. He wanted a right relationship with us. But what happened? We got in the way. We told God, we don't want what you want. We are going to create our own way of, of s- salvation and, and do things our way, which is called sin. And our sin rebelled and put a barrier between us and God. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus is the one who can make all things new. He went to the cross to pay for the penalty and for the guilt and for the shame for your sin and mine. And by dying on the cross and raising from the dead three days later, he provides a way now for us to be made, made, made right with Jesus, made right with God. And so now you have the opportunity to respond. What will you do with Jesus? Will you repent and leave what you're trusting in? And will you put your faith and trust in Jesus alone for your salvation? God, man, Jesus, response. It's that simple. It's that simple. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to figure out what 10 items we're going to need. When we're, when we're, and here's the, here's the most important thing. When you step out on faith, the Holy Spirit will be with you. God's going to be with you. God never leaves you alone to do this on your own. And when you step out on faith to share the gospel with others, you are joining Jesus because one of the things that Jesus did more than anything was tell people about him. Jesus loves it when he sees us as his children tell others about him. And we have this amazing opportunity, amazing opportunity, to take the gospel to every man, woman, and child in Lake Norman and beyond. The question is, will we do it. Two questions. I have two questions for you. This is to kind of summarize our entire blessed series. The first question is this, who are you blessing? You know, there, there's, I, I promise you this: there is someone in your life right now that, that God is inviting you to partner with, to begin with prayer, to listen to their story, to share a meal with them, to eat with them, to serve them in some way. And so that eventually you will get a chance to share the gospel with them. Who is that person for you? Who is that person that God's placed in your life who's close to you but far from him, that he's inviting you to partner with him to take the gospel to them? Second question is this, will you make the commitment this year to be a person of bless? I think I shared with this with you uh, in, in the beginning of the sermon, but bless has changed my life. I mean, it really has. I've always, you know, always as a Christian, I had something in like, okay, I gotta share the gospel, I gotta share the gospel. What BLESS does for me is it always aligns me in my life to say, okay, have I prayed today for my neighbors, for my friends, for these people? I've got a list of people, about seven people in my life that I pray for every single day. And I just have... I just have to keep praying for that. And then I'm I'm always aware for the opportunities. But this, the reason I, I want us to do this is because this has been life-changing for me. And I know for many of us, we feel, I don't want guilt or shame to motivate us to share the gospel. I want this just to flow out of us because this is who we are. You know, in, in two weeks, we're going to say goodbye to another calendar year. And I know a lot of us for the new year, we try to say, all right, what am I going to do? I think it would be an amazing, I'm just encouraging you to be someone that says, you know what, for the year of 2024, I'm going to commit to the practices of bless in my life and see what God does. See how God changes me. See, See how God opens up doors of opportunity that I never thought were possible because I promise you this, there's a woman at the well around you. There might be a Nicodemus by you, there might even be a crowd by you, but, but, wouldn't it be awesome to have stories to share of what God is doing as we partner with him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And as we end our time here this morning, I just I want I to pray for some of you in this room this morning because as we, as we talk about being people of bless, I'm sure there's some of you in this room that still feel an incredible amount of fear in this moment. And I'm just, I just wanna pray for boldness for you and confidence for you. But if, if no one's looking around, every head is bowed, every eye's closed. If you're, if you're sitting here this morning saying, Pastor Ben, I, I am struggling with fear right now about how to share my faith. And I just need you to pray for me right now that God would give me the boldness and confidence to follow and obey him. Would you just raise your hand? I just wanna pray for you. Anybody out there this morning like that? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. See that hand. Yes, thank you. Amen, yes, thank you. Don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. Listen, this is a big step of faith, but God wants us to to join him in this adventure. It's a journey, more than a presentation. And, and before I also and maybe the explaining the gospel this morning, maybe that has stirred something inside of you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and saying, yeah, I have thoughts about God, but I've, I, I have, when you talk about that Savior, that false Savior, there's something in my life that I go to besides Jesus. And I've never really trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never made that commitment to follow him, I want to encourage you, come talk to me afterwards. We have a prayer team out in the lobby that they have white little, white lanyards on. Would love to answer any questions you might have about Jesus or what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But no matter where you are in your faith, don't leave here today if you've got questions. Father, I pray right now as we close our time, Lord, I pray for every person in this room who is just feels bound by fear, knowing that, Lord, you, you give us the power, the love, and the sound mind to overcome any fear that we might have. In our lives. So, God, as the enemy keeps us silent and hidden from people who need to hear the name of Jesus, God, produce in us a spirit of boldness and confidence like we've never had before. God, change this church so that we are engaging fully in the Great Commission so that every man, woman, and child in Lake Norman and beyond would have an opportunity to, to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.